Welcome to this webinar. Thanks for attending. I know these are challenging times to be attending webinars. So um, hopefully we can give you some value here today. So we're talking mainly about things that you can do when you can't do experiments. So obviously at the moment, COVID-19 is pretty much impacting the entire world and science and research all over the world has slowed right down for those that um, can't go out and collect their data. But you might find that um, there are things that prevent you from doing experiments um, at other times other than these kinds of lockdowns. Say you've got equipment breakage or you um, don't have some ethics being approved as yet or um, there's equipment is heavily booked and you can't get access to it or your cohort of people that you're surveying isn't available or the animals that you need aren't available. So there's lots of reasons why not just uh, COVID. But in the context of COVID, I guess the first thing that I'd say is just to take note of this quote from a friend of mine, Cole Fink. Um, he makes the point that it, we're currently in a, a moment of massive upheaval and the way that we did things or the way that we have done things is totally fluid right now. And so this is an opportunity to perhaps reset some of the things that you thought were certain uh, and in a good way to make them, to run them differently, to do them differently so that um, you can perhaps get more efficient or you can perhaps stop doing things that don't help you, or you can um, perhaps start doing things that are far more effective for the way you work. The other thing that I would say in relation to this quote is that if you're working from home, setting yourself up for success and setting yourself up for some, to, for some good habits now will will stand you in good stead um, if we, this continues for many more weeks and months. And also it means that if you end up working from home in the future, uh, you'll have um, a far better chance of uh, going back into the good routine that you set up during this time. So I think the first thing everyone needs to do is cancel their Netflix subscription. There's the temptation to put Netflix on, but I would suggest you should be canceling that. Um, Game Boys, iPad, um, and all those kinds of console games, destroy those, lock up your phone. And certainly those three things are stuff that you should be doing so that you can remove all of the distractions from what it is that you're trying to get done. Uh, as much as easy it is, it is to sit down in front of the TV and just watch Netflix or um, play a game on your computer or your phone, putting those things away, it will be a far easier way of dealing with those distractions than convincing yourself that you'll do something later. And so you might even decide that your office should be set up in a spot other than in your lounge room or your kitchen, somewhere where you're not um, driven to distraction. And then the next thing to make sure that you do is write down the plan that you want to do. So in this cartoon, the plan is uh, to write a novel, compose an opera, climb a mountain, or we can't climb mountains currently, uh, join the Peace Corps. Again, that might not be something that's that easy at the moment and um, perhaps not cure cancer at the moment. Perhaps it's cure COVID um, rather than the plan B of doing it. Basically every, everything else playing world of Warcraft is the example here. So again, writing down some of the things that you, you want to get done um, will also help you uh, get those things done. And it is useful also to write down the things that you don't want to do. Uh, and that is because you can then recognize them when they appear in your life. Uh, perhaps they might appear as, like I said, the opportunity to watch Netflix, the opportunity to, um, to play a game, um, the opportunity to browse social media. If you put all the things down that you don't want to do, then that's a useful thing too.
Um, if you want to get in touch with me, these are my details. I'm on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, etc. Make sure you uh, reach out to me if you have any questions about this webinar. Um, I will let you know um, that it is recorded uh, so, and you'll get an opportunity to listen to the recording later. It will be posted on my social media channels. So a little bit about me and why I think um, I'm in a good position to talk about this. I started off as a biomedical researcher and then exchanged my lab coat for a suit coat. And now I've been doing that for about 10 years and I've been working from home a fair bit in that. And I help researchers um, to answer the question of what next. Perhaps they, don't, perhaps they don't know what they want to do next in terms of research or maybe they want to leave research. And I help them understand what the pathways are that are available to them and find the one that they are most satisfied with. Um, in terms of, uh, like I said, I've been working from home for a long time. This is me working from home in my apartment just the other week. Um, so I'm well versed in the idea of setting up and being accessible uh, throughout. Like I said, uh, this is being recorded audio and visually so you can access it later. Um, I do have a tendency to talk quick. So if that um, is distracting, you can let me know by opening up your mic and commenting. If you have any questions as, as we go, please open up your mic and ask a question. Obviously, this is time limited. Uh, and so if you have some questions or you want to get access to me later, I'll put my contact details up again later as well. And there's some other things that you can do with me if you want to continue on down this track. So I think in terms of what you can do when you haven't got access to equipment or you can't do experiments, there's sort of four broad categories. There's to try and make progress somewhere else. There's things that you can do to become more efficient. You can look to do self-improvement or you can do some strategy. So I'll go through a couple of examples in each of these four areas. So making progress elsewhere, basically, you know, if, if in terms of if it's an equipment failure, you could look to use other equipment. Maybe there's a substitute that you could get access to. Maybe there's a different cohort or a different organization that you can try and leverage if that's the reason why you can't do experiments. But in this time of COVID-19, uh, getting access to different equipment is probably not possible. Um, the next thing you can do in terms of make progress elsewhere is to analyze the data that you have. Now, if you've only collected a few samples or a few data points, that's okay. It'll mean that there's less data for you to analyze, but definitely I would recommend if you have got data that is unanalyzed, that is still in a raw state that I would have a look at it and see the kinds of trends that are coming through in the data, which leads on to the next step of visualizing that data. So you can see on the right hand side of this panel, we've got kind of the sample, the raw data variable. And then on the, on the um, further right again, you can see how that's been plotted as a graph. So that's what I'm talking about visualization. You might plot something on a graph, you might put data points on a map, or you might, um, in the case of getting ready for journal publication, you might put several photos into one figure. On the left-hand side of the diagram, you can see there's a process flow map. And so the other thing that you can do in terms of visualization is to think about how your work fits into the context of everything else that's out there and work out, well, how, if your work goes to plan, how will it fit? What will be the new figure? What will be the new process flow? What will be the way that we now think as a result of what you've found? Um, so that's another thing that you can do in terms of visualization. 
if you've done all of that or that doesn't suit you, you can do um, research related writing. So uh, for PhD students, that would be anything thesis related. Uh, the easiest place to start is your literature review. Now, a lot of people come back with the comment, oh, um, I'm, you know, only in year one or, I've, you know, things are going to change between now and when I submit my thesis. And that's totally true. Things will change. But the reality is you need to know all about your area as it stands right now. And so doing your lit review, writing that content, getting that work together will be useful for right now. So I definitely would recommend doing that. And if you've already got your lit review and the last time you looked at it was two, three or four months ago, having another look quickly at the rereading it for like a proofreading exercise, as well as having a look at the data that's come out since will be immensely useful. And if you're not writing a thesis, if you're, say, you're either in a program that doesn't involve thesis writing or you're a researcher, then the obvious next step is to start writing a paper. Um, I've worked with academics, like I said, for over 10 years, and I've not met an academic yet who doesn't have a bunch of started and not yet finished journal articles. So that would now be the time to dust those off, pick the one that you think is closest to being finished and take it through to its endpoint, whether that be you've done all of your corrections and now it's onto the next author or whether it be you've put now brought everything together and it's being submitted to a publishing house for them to have a look at. And then the other thing that you can do is um, go onto your social media and produce content for your social media channels, whether that be your website or Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, whatever it might be. It'll be to take the content that you have developed, make perhaps make a new strategy for how you might release content over the next six months. And so you've got a whole bunch of stuff ready to go when you get back into the swing of work or even start posting about what you're going through now. <clears throat> Are there any questions about that? Oh, no. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So the, the second area is to become more efficient. So I think one of the big things that will come out of this is the people who make progress while we're in lockdown will be, um, I guess, unique, but you'll be able to catch up if you can't make specific progress, but by becoming more efficient in what you do once we're back in the swing of usual work, whatever that looks like. So one of the things that I did actually last year was to read this book called Smart Work by Dermot Crowley. And if you'd like a copy, um, send me, uh, put a comment in the chat and I'll um, happily send you out a copy and I'll, I'll get on to you. And if you're watching this on YouTube, um, put a comment down below that you'd like a copy of Smart Work and I can get one sent out to you. So this has been a really useful book from my perspective, particularly as it relates to working with email and how we integrate doing tasks that come in to our task pile, as it were, via email versus tasks that might um, come to us via any other methods. So, you know, for example, ones that we make up ourselves. Um, and so this has been really useful for me. So I would encourage, you know, becoming more efficient around your use of email and your work life, how you plan your day, how you structure your day. Um, so that's one way of becoming more efficient. The other way is to do some kind of um, paid training course. So, um, you know, you can get better at the office suite, you can get better at social media, you can get better at the Google suite. Um, and you can also do things like picking up coding. So one of the biggest things that, 
um, I've noticed as I've progressed through my career is that the people that are in my peer group, the ones that could code, particularly the ones that can code and are in research, have got a huge advantage over the ones that can't code. Um, and the reason being, it means that you take out a bottleneck in the research pipeline. So for example, uh, in brain science, there's lots of raw data that's collected and to go from the raw data into a visualized um, thing, you need to do some coding to analyze that data. And those people that are good at neuroscience and good at coding, they don't have that bottleneck in the same way that those that can't code have got that bottleneck. So learning to code could be a really useful way of becoming more efficient. It'll make you more self-reliant um, and it will re probably remove a bunch of bottlenecks around your data visualization and analysis. The other thing that you could do, and this relates to my very first point about, you know, the way we do things around here is really fluid. You can have a look at the processes that you currently use to say conduct a piece of research or to collect data or to get ethics approval or how you regularly you meet with your staff or how regularly you meet with your students or how you present your data to other people. And you could look at that process and find out ways that you could make that more uh, quicker into the future. You could look at what you do in the lab and maybe work out that there's different reagents you could use that could make you faster and therefore make the process cheaper. You could think about making um, different ways of data collection, different cohorts you might access. You could write template emails. You could write template flyers that um, reduce the friction when it comes to getting out into the real world again. So looking at processes. The other thing that you could do to to um, uh, get faster in the future or get more efficient is to perhaps develop some new habits or get rid of old habits. Um, and though this is a guy author of a book who's number one um, seller, his name is James clear the book. You, I'm not sure if you can quite make it out. It's called atomic habits. So I read that and that's been really useful in my life for helping me set up some structures around getting new habits. For me, it was particularly around exercise and reading more frequently, but that might be anything that you want to do. You might want to write more often in your research. You might want to collect more samples. You might want to do more analysis. You might want to get fitter. You might want to see your family more often. You might want to cook more regularly. Uh, and this book has been a really useful um, way for me to improve the habits that I have in my life. Again, if you'd like a copy of Atomic Habits, put a comment in the chat box or um, connect on, um, put a comment in the YouTube video and I'm more than happy to get a copy of Atomic Habits out to you as well. Any questions there? No. So the next thing that you can do is try and work on yourself. So one of the things I think that we often do as researchers is assume that we're good people and that other people view us as good people, which is not a bad assumption, but there are probably things that we could do to improve. Um, so if you're a student, you might have a role to manage certain projects or you might have a role where you're responsible for leading people in a particular direction. And so you might look into ways to develop yourself as a manager or a leader. The same could also be said about people who are um, supervisors of students, or perhaps that you're in a research lab or a research group and you're the you're the head person. Um, you might look at how you manage and how you lead. How you lead. Um, 
in the current climate, we're doing a lot of Zoom meetings. One of the good things about Zoom is that you can record the meeting. Um, and if, if you can't immediately set up the record function, you could perhaps ask the host to do that for you. And that will allow you to see how you act in meetings. You know, what's your voice like? What's your tone like? As a participant, are you participating when you're being asked? As a leader of those meetings, are you seeking everyone's input? Are you waiting long enough for everyone to provide input? And so watching a couple of your meetings via Zoom is a really useful way of understanding how you might um, act uh, as a manager or a leader and doing some self-analysis. The other thing that you could do is perhaps begin a meditation practice. One of the things that I've started doing more recently is a meditation practice. And as scientists and researchers, rejection is really common. Setbacks are really common. And so the way that we deal with those will determine how we progress as people as well as scientists and a meditation practice a mindfulness meditation practice is a really useful way of doing that. And it's also evidence-based. So the data suggests that 45 minutes of mindfulness every day can really help us um, have a, a statistically significant reduction in our stress levels. So it's definitely worth giving a go if you're a researcher and not currently doing this. Uh, again, if you don't know what mindfulness is or you don't know where to start, put a comment in the chat. And after this um, meeting, I'll, um, I'll send, when I see the comment, I'll send you out some information about what I've done for myself around mindfulness that I've found useful. Um, and again, this is more a thing about if you don't understand yourself, you can't know your impact on others. So knowing yourself will be a really useful way to see how others view you. So if you've got enough courage, you can do the Zoom idea that I suggested earlier, but you could also go out and ask your peers for honest feedback about how they um, view you and how they experience you in life. Um, certainly if they, um, if they don't, sorry, if, if you're not aware of how you appear to others, then you can't really understand what impact you might have on them. The other thing you can do for self-improvement, uh, listen to podcasts, read or listen to books and read or read blogs. Um, there are lots of good podcasts out there that focus on self-improvement. There are podcasts that focus on leadership. There are podcasts that focus on management. If you're making career decisions at the moment, there are podcasts that focus on careers and you can find podcasts at the intersection of careers and research or leadership in research or management in research. Um, and if there's some good podcast that you recommend to others, um, I'm happy to share those around here. I listen to a range of podcasts um, all the way through from how to use social media through to self-improvement through to um, just general uh, current affairs and, and life and science. The next thing you can do, you can do a formal course in something for yourself. Um, so that could be, again, that could be anything. So it could go back to the coding idea, but I think for self-improvement, you might want to choose something that is outside the work realm. So it could be learning a musical instrument or, um, which it would be quite possible now if you've got access to a musical instrument, it could be learning how to sing, excuse me, it could be learning how to paint. And one of the things that embarking on something brand new that is foreign to you will do, it'll help you understand the learning process. And then if you're using a self-reflective techniques, then you can think, well, how, 
how do I feel as a learner and therefore how might other people experience me as a teacher when I'm teaching and they're learning or how are students feeling in the, in the lab when they come to join the lab, learning about a PhD for the first time or learning about research for the first time, or, you know, if they're coming and joining your research group, all the new things that they need to learn. And so if you embark on a new process, like I said, of learning a new instrument, particularly if you haven't played music before, there'll be all this stuff that is, you know, it seems like assumed knowledge that you've got no idea of. And that'll help you be, a, uh, if you can self-reflect there, you might be able to apply some of that understanding to how people come and join in your research group. Any questions about those areas or anything to add? No. Well, the final area. I do have, sorry, I, I do have one thing to add here. Yep. I see a lot of people in social media are engaging and um, doing, I mean, getting engaged in hobbies which they have never pursued before. Yes. But I feel like I am working full time even though I'm at home. I'm yes. Way below my usual efficiency, but I also don't have time for anything else. It's yeah. Kind of yeah. So I think if you, if that's the case for you, you don't need to do all of these things at all these are just ideas of some of the things that you might be able to do now that you can't do experiments so it sounds like you've already got lots on your plate so perhaps working out ways of being more efficient might be the best thing for you to do rather than adding something additional to your plate the final area that i you could focus on is in the strategy area so what i'm thinking about is you know Currently, you might have an idea of how your experiments might roll out, but you might take this opportunity, this downtime, as it were, to revisit some of those assumptions that perhaps you made when you first built the experiment and work, work out for yourself, are these assumptions still valid? Um, once I can get back into research or collecting data, are these um, will these cohorts still be there? Will my sample still be good? Um, will I be able to get access to all of the reagents that I'm after? You know, people are already in terms in the context of COVID-19 already suggesting that international and flights are going to be affected for much longer than the quarantine is around for. Um, so from that perspective, you might decide that oh, I can't get access to certain samples or certain reagents. So you'll do something different. You might revisit how you collaborate um, so have a look at how you've set up your um, studies. And the, I think the, um, what you should be focused on here, other than how the research um, pans out, is also how does all of my different research projects fit together? So in project management, um, projects nest. So a group of projects is called a program. A group of programs is called a portfolio. So as a researcher looking at across all of the work that you do, um, how do all of my projects fit together? And is there a new way of looking at things that could um, perhaps open up a new line of inquiry or a new opportunity for um, getting additional funding? The other thing that you could do is look for industry partners. Uh, although lots of industries have slowed down their work and shifted their work into distributed, like we have as researchers, they're still operational. 
Um, so this time might be an opportunity for you to look for, through your research and see, well, who might be a good industry partner? And maybe it's an opportunity to approach them and, and see whether they'd be interested in a partnership. And obviously partnerships can't start straight away. And, and certainly asking for money as part of that partnership would be almost impossible but I would highly recommend that you have a look for industry partners and make some approaches. They might have at least time to meet with you when you can just start discussing the kinds of things that you can do together uh, once the um, social isolation and physical isolation um, aspects of COVID-19 disappear. But again, if your disruption is due to equipment failure, then this is a really easy way of um, progressing your work and perhaps even getting access to the equipment um, from an industry partner rather than through your usual um, channels. There's always ethics proposals to write. There's always business proposals or grant proposals to write. So it's worth having a look at those and starting the next one, whether ethics makes most sense or a new grant makes most sense, or maybe it's a new proposal altogether, again, in the context of an industry or other collaborative partner. So again, think about how you might write those. And again, in the context of um, your programs and portfolios, not just individual projects. Uh, one of the other things that I think is really possible that is um, worth doing is um, having a look at research collaborations, particularly when you go to these massive open online data sources, and perhaps you could analyze someone else's data if they've collected lots of information and that's something that you're up for. There's lots of national and international data repositories. Uh, it might be worth looking at those and seeing if you can get access to a subset of those data and, and then going ahead <coughs> analyzing those with the aim of either producing some interesting insights or maybe getting a publication out of it. Obviously, there's always, you can do a new um, social media channel. So you might decide to start a blog when you haven't had one before, or you might revisit how you're making use of your social media channel and what, who your targets are and whether you're hitting those um, targets or getting access to those accounts or getting the kinds of interactions you're looking for. Um, and then revisit the kind of content. Maybe you've take a deeper look at the kind of content that you're producing on social media and then looking at what kinds of things get you the most interaction and get you the kinds of interactions that you're after, whether that's followers or comments or likes, and then revisit that with the aim of um, creating a new content strategy that would hopefully um, continue your social media or your engagement growth. Uh, I think we don't spend enough time as researchers looking at how our data is managed and how we can um, share our data, how the data is um, perhaps stored in or outside the cloud and as well as how it's backed up. So from a strategy perspective, um, one of the things that you could do is have a look at how your data are managed and curated and maybe even investigate with the help of your university or your e-research area or your librarian, um, how data are currently managed from your perspective and maybe even improve some of your data management practices. So much of what we do around data management now is um, cloud-based anyway. So you should be able to set up uh, a, a new data management practice uh, without being on site. And I guess one thing to make, to be certain of is if, if you are um, in quarantine now, or if you are um, in physical isolation, don't forget to take the time to recharge. As researchers, we're often expected to be on um, 
on our game all the time. You know, it's six days a week, sometimes seven days a week for many researchers. And this opportunity where you know we can't collect data, it might seem really foreign, it might seem really hard, but perhaps the best thing that you can do when you can't do experiments is to take the opportunity to recharge your batteries, whether that's just sitting and reading a book for fun or doing a meditation or taking the dog for a walk, something like that might be a far better use of your time. Uh, so that's everything that I wanted to cover today. If you, I did re write an article about um, all of this as well on my blog, 32 things to do when you've got two weeks hiatus. Obviously the aim was not to uh, do all 32 in the two weeks, but that's got a, a much more comprehensive list than what I've gone through now. Um, if you're interested in learning more or doing more with me, I've got a coaching program. If you'd like to know more, please drop a comment in the chat box and I'll get back to you. Or if you're watching this on YouTube, uh, again, drop a comment and I'll get back to you about my coaching program. And I run those, uh, throughout the year. If you're interested in getting an industry partner, I've written a book about co connecting with industry partners as an academic. If you'd like a complimentary copy of that, put a comment in the chat box to ask for the book and I'll make sure I send a copy out to you um, or again, um, comment on YouTube. Um, in terms of what else is going on, if this is a time where we need to focus on being resilient and I've recorded a video previously on resilience. Um, perhaps you might want to complete your PhD faster. There's a YouTube video on that as well. Um, there's a bunch of videos that I've covered other social media channels such as Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Um, and I've written a few blogs that might be useful as well. Like I already said, the 32 things to do on a hiatus. There's a blog about using Zoom and there's a guide to working from home. Um, are there any other questions before we close off for today? Right, thanks for joining me, Susan, as well. I saw you came in there. Um, thanks for your time today. If you'd like to get in touch with me, you can get in touch with me via social media. I'm on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. Otherwise you can send me an email or shoot me an SMS on the 0412-606-178. That's an Australian number. I look forward to seeing you on social media. Thanks for taking the time to be here. Bye.